Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. If you've got excellent management that knows how to properly screen and qualify a tenant, place them and know how to manage that property, I think you've eliminated 90% of what I would call potential risks. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And first off, I hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Saturday. We got a special segment called Situation Saturday where we're going to have a situation that will likely resonate with you right now and perhaps in the future whenever you're listening to this episode. And we're not just going to present a situation. We're going to talk through the solution to the situation. And the situation is if you are in a hot market where the inventory is low, how do you go about transitioning into another market to then find additional properties? With us today, Marco Centarelli. How are you doing, Marco? Good, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well, and we're speaking to Marco about this because he has recently implemented a solution for that challenge and that situation. So we're going to talk about that. You recognize Marco because he has been on the podcast before, and you're a loyal Best Ever listener all the way back to episode 111 that is many days ago over 1000 days ago you were on the show and then episode 1012 that's like over a year ago you're on the show so best ever listeners if you want to hear his advice then you can go listen to episode 111 and 1012 marco is an author an investor and founder of narada real estate investments which is a nationwide provider of turnkey cash flow rental properties since 2004 he's helped over 1000 real estate investors create wealth and passive income through real estate and he's also the host of a really cool podcast that i suggest you listen to if you're interested in passive real estate investing and oh by the way the name of it is passive real estate investing and you can learn more about his company at his website, which is in the show notes. So with that being said, Marco, 
Even though we've got a bunch of loyal best ever listeners, will you give the best ever listeners a refresher of your background and then we'll get into the recent challenge and your solution? Yeah, definitely. Great introduction too. Thank you very much for that. So I won't go too far back. I'll just say that I bought my first rental at 18 and I knew the writing was on the wall. So I just continued down that path, got my license, continued to buy real estate and grew it from there. Where the turning point was, was really in 2003 when I had taken two years off I was kind of the fallout guy from the dot-com implosion. So in 2001, I didn't want to get back into the corporate world and I loved real estate, but I didn't jump back into it. I took some time off, got back into real estate late 2003. In 2004, I purchased about 84 units in that one year. And those were mostly single families and duplexes. So we're not thinking apartments here. And people were coming to me asking me for help and I didn't want to be a coach or an educator. So again, making a long story short, I decided to be the guy at the end of the food chain. I would let everybody else do the boot camps, seminars, books, and tapes. And I would be the guy who would be researching markets, finding the deals, packaging it together, providing all the service providers that you would need to complete that solution as a turnkey offering. And 14 and a half years later, they say that's all history. And here we are today, a very strong company and continue to grow. Very strong company continuing to grow and you've come across challenges as you've grown. I'm sure as any business owner and entrepreneur has the most recent challenge with markets. What was going on? Well, you're talking about today, not in the past, I assume, right? Yeah. Yep. So what we're seeing today, and Joe, I know you're in the same school. What we're seeing is inventory being a drag on the market. Inventory is really, really tight virtually in every market, primary, secondary, and tertiary markets. And because of that, we're seeing, at least in the residential space, it's pushing prices up. In the commercial space where you live in investing in apartments, it's compressing cap rates. And that's a big problem because everybody's chasing after good quality or value-added plays. So what's happening is we're seeing less and less good inventory and fewer deals out there. So if you're in the commercial space, you see cap rates being compressed. If you're in the residential space, meaning one to four units, it's like banging a brick on your head. It's really hard to find good deals and enough of them to have good deal flow, especially for a business like ours, where we're working with investors trying to provide them quality investments in good quality neighborhoods. So the solution, at least for us as a business, we had to go wider because we're not getting the depth. And what I mean by that is, In the beginning, we were in about six markets, and to me, that's the sweet spot. And then over time, that grew to 10, and then 12, and today we're in 18 markets, and we're forced to have to do that because if I'm looking for a deal for myself or I'm looking for deals for our clients, the real estate investors, in order to find them, we have to go and look in other markets, and we're actually starting to tap into tertiary markets right now in order to get that width and depth. The most recent market we brought on was the Quad Cities market. So, you know, it kind of overlaps Iowa and Illinois. But you got to adapt with the times. And I like to refer to real estate kind of like the pendulum of a big clock. The pendulum swings one way and then it goes the other way. And so you go from buyer's market to seller's market and everything has an ebb and flow. You have lots of inventory at one time. And that's great for you as an investor. You're in a buyer's market. And then that pendulum slows down, stops, and starts going the other way. And now you're in a seller's market. And so prices go up, inventory drops down, and you have to adapt. You have to change your strategy. As you've grown from a smaller pool of markets to a larger pool of markets, how do you qualify those markets? 
by far one of the most important things I want to see in a market. This should be a takeaway for all your investors is to make sure that you have jobs and job growth because people pay their bills with dollars. They pay their rent with dollars. <laughs> so Bitcoin, right? I thought it was Bitcoin. Well, give it a few years. That might be the case. <laughs> they actually do have cryptocurrencies specifically for real estate and for rents, but it's not mainstream yet. But you have to have income and you have to have jobs in order to support that population. So the first thing I like to see in a market is job diversity, a stable job base, and job growth ideally. It's okay if you don't have job growth as long as you have the stability of the job market. And then tied in with that, this goes hand in hand, is migration. A lot of times when you have a hot market, like you look at Dallas or Houston, for example, when you have a lot of jobs, it naturally draws people in like a vacuum from other markets because they know that they're going to have solid and stable employment there. And often when you have job growth, you have competition and it drives wages up. So now you have people coming in that have a better opportunity for a higher wage. In other words, they're getting a raise. They move from another market to another market and they get a job raise. Mm -hmm. So... Those are the two core things, jobs, job growth, and migration. From there, I start to look at more specifically sub markets, neighborhoods, and the numbers because just because you have a hot market doesn't mean that you have numbers that are favorable for investing in real estate. And I know I'm preaching to the choir with you, but some people may have heard this before and it just doesn't resonate. I'll give you an example. There are a lot of people along the coastal markets, and I'm here in Southern California, that still think that investing has to be done in their backyard. They're looking at Los Angeles, maybe San Diego, these really expensive markets. And so when you're spending five to 700000 on a single family home, if that's what you're looking for, we're not talking apartments here, it's really hard to get a rate of return, let alone cash flow, when that thing only rents for about half a percent of the purchase price on a monthly basis, meaning that you're getting 3500 maybe 4000 a month if you're lucky. Those numbers don't make sense. So you have to be market agnostic. You have to disconnect yourself from your backyard and your local market and just be truthful with yourself and say, look, maybe I'm not living in the best market for real estate investing. I don't need to drive by it every day. I don't need to touch it and see it. It's not going to change it a darn thing. So you start looking at the Midwest down through Texas on throughout the Southeast, as far as Jacksonville, Florida, Tampa, Florida, Memphis. These are markets where there is inventory. The numbers make sense. There's growth. It's got a stable job market, a diverse industry. And in fact, a lot of these markets are actually logistical markets. You look at Kansas City, Memphis, Jacksonville, Florida. These are all logistical hubs for one reason or another. So it's really hard to pull industry away from those markets when you have logistics in place. You mentioned three things you look for, job growth, job diversification, and migration. Specifically, I pull it up. I've got it in front of me on my computer screen. What metrics am I looking for? If you're looking for metrics, what you want to see is that you have what's called positive net migration because there's people that will say that people are moving to California, and that's true. But when you look at net numbers, meaning you take the people that are moving into California and subtract the people that are moving out, you have negative numbers, you have negative growth. Last year, we saw as a state, 140,000 people leave the state of California. And what goes along with that are employers like Toyota, Nissan, Carl's Jr. There's so many companies that move out, so they take jobs with them. That is a very negative thing, economically speaking. 
So short term, you might not notice it, but if you start measuring this out and mapping it out over the course of years, it can have an impact. So you don't want headwinds when you're investing. You want tailwinds. So you want to invest where markets are strong and healthy and ideally growing. So positive net migration, where can you find that? I've recently hired, well, not recently, I've had some assistants that have helped me in compiling that information. But here's the simple way to do it. Every city publishes this information and they have different departments. There's a Bureau of Economic Development. There's the, I can't remember what they call it. They have economic boards in every city, in every size of city. And if you go to Google or any other search engine, you type in the name of the city followed by net migration or the name of the city followed by unemployment rate or the name of the city followed by job growth. Even Google will serve up this information in the form of a chart right at the top of the page. But a very simple, clean search where you have city, state, job growth, city, state, net migration, all those types of search phrases will pull up five to 10 websites that have that information published either as an article or as a service where you search and find that data. With job growth and job diversification, any particular metric for each of those come to mind? I'm more after the trend than anything else. So when it comes to job growth, I'd like to just see that the last two to three years have had year-over-year increases, even if it's nominal. I just want to see that it's not a negative trend. Think of it like looking at a stock chart. If you're looking at a stock chart, not that I'm suggesting you invest in stocks, But if you want to be long on a stock and you buy a stock, you want to make sure that it's got momentum and you've got positive growth. In other words, the trend is upwards and ideally it's growing year over year rather than shrinking year over year because that is a very strong indicator. It's no different than looking at any kind of metric in real estate, whether it be, like I said, jobs or the unemployment rate. And this is all widely available. Even the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the other, what's the other one? These are all free websites by the government. You know which one it is? Census.gov. Yeah, census, the BLS, BLS BLS.gov, all these websites publish this data for free and you can search on it. And they also do quarterly reports. Also look at Adam data, A-T-T-O-M, Adam dot, I think it's com. They publish a ton of housing data. So that's another resource where you can pull up a lot of this information for free. And they actually do write articles about it on a regular basis to kind of summarize what has happened over the last month or last quarter. Looks like it's A-T-T-O-M-D-A-T-A.com. Thank you. That's it. I just bookmark all this stuff. (laughs) Me too. I'm with you. And what about job diversification? Any particular metric there that you'd look for in terms of like one industry has a certain percent? This is not a hard one, actually. Websites like neighborhoodscout.com, there's a slew of them. They will provide a breakdown City data is not too bad. It's dated, but citydata.com, I think it's city-data, they provide a breakdown of each sector of the industry. For example, it might say 70% is in finance, 16% is in construction, 14% is in healthcare, and 10% is in hospitality and fast food and restaurant. What you want to see is as many bars as possible. If you go to, this is kind of my poster child market, but if you go to North Dakota when we had that oil boom, there's a town there that exploded in population and there was no housing. People were literally setting up tent cities. And the reason for that is because there was no housing and you couldn't build fast enough to keep up with the amount of people moving there. Well, the the thing is that that economy was predominantly driven by the oil industry. So you had a lot of jobs because oil prices were up $100 plus and then 
what happened is that crashed down to $40, $50, $40 per barrel. And the jobs disappeared because they can support new exploration and running the wells. So they capped the wells and people started moving to other markets. Well, now you had a surplus of housing. So when you look at that, that sector, it's like a pig and a python. You have this oil industry and very little outside of it. So that's the primary market. And then you have these tertiary businesses that really live off of that main economic engine, which is oil, like your barber shop and your corner store and whatever else it may be. Well, if, if people are moving away, the customers move away too. So those smaller business can't survive either. So you have a shrinking economy. I exaggerate the point, but the point being is you don't want to be in a market that is heavily stacked in one or two industries. You want to see a flat, wide graph, not a tall, narrow bell curve. Makes a lot of sense, and I appreciate you getting into the specifics of that. What are some markets that you've recently found? You mentioned one, I think you said Quad Cities, that you weren't previously in. I'd say the newest additions would be Dayton, Ohio, the Quad Cities. Those are the two newest ones. Sometimes we're in and out of markets. Like you know, We'll be in a market for a short period of time because we have some inventory, and then it disappears, and then we're gone. This is true for places like Cincinnati, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. And I've never really been a huge fan of the Northeast for the most part. So Ohio wasn't on my radar for the longest time. And I'm just being completely honest and transparent here. The thing is, is that they're not horrible markets. I'm not a fan of the cold weather, the Northern climate, but these are big cities. They have a lot of industry, a diverse industry profile. So as long as you're in these markets that have stability and diversity, and you pick the right neighborhoods, ideally for me, it's what I would call a B-plus type neighborhood, plus or minus, you should be fine. I think you got 70% of it licked there. If you've got excellent management that knows how to properly screen and qualify a tenant, place them, and know how to manage that property, I think you've eliminated 90% of what I would call potential risks. The last 10%, I don't think you could ever get rid of it because it's what I call the human factor. We're dealing with people, and people are people, and things happen, whether it's a job loss, job transfer, death in the family, whatever it may be, things happen. And so you might have issues, but at the end of the day, if you're in a good market and you're in a great neighborhood with good or great management, I think you're going to do very, very well, regardless of whether it's Cleveland, Ohio, or Dallas, Texas. Anything we haven't discussed as it relates to opening up a new market that you think we should discuss during our conversation? As an individual, like an investor? Yeah, or yep, yep. It's really everything we just talked about. The U.S. is made up of over 400 metropolitan areas. You can get as granular as 600 plus. I think for the most part, it's best to stick to secondary markets whenever possible. Primary being L.A. or New York, you may not make things work there. But look for good markets that have health and growth, like what we talked about before, the jobs and diversity. And then what you want to do is make sure you assemble the right team. If you're not working with a turnkey provider or someone who has the whole package, the whole team working with you, study the market, learn the neighborhoods, learn the areas that are the most desirable from a tenant perspective that are not overpriced. In other words, you still want to maintain as close as you can having that 1% rent to price ratio. So hypothetical, $100,000 property, rents for about 1000 a month. It's okay if it's renting for nine fifty, nine hundred, even 800 if the property taxes are really low in that state. But you want to be somewhere in the 900 to $1,000 a month range on that $100,000 property. 
but always have a top-down approach. And this is one of my rules of successful investing is start with the market, work your way down to the sub-market, the neighborhood, and then the property. A lot of investors do this backwards. They start with the property, they're presented a deal, and they fall in love with it. It's newly renovated, looks great, smells great, it's got good curb appeal, the numbers are attractive, but it's on a bad street or it's in a war zone and it's not conducive for getting the best quality tenant. So don't flip it around. Start with the top down and think of it as a funnel. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you, Marco? Two websites, if I may. Our core website is where we have all our free information and properties and that's noradarealestate.com, N-O-R-A-D-A, noradarealestate.com. And if I may plug my own podcast, it's Absolutely. Passive Real Estate Investing. So that you can find that at PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com. Marco, thank you so much for coming back on the show, talking about how to open up a new market, how to think about that, the specific things to look for, job growth, job diversification, and migration, making sure that it's net positive migration, and the approach that you've had to take with your business. And it's an opportunity because ultimately you're doing more research in new markets and that opens up new opportunities, new relationships and a more expansive offering set for your investors who are investing with you. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a wonderful weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at TargetMarketInsights.com. That's TargetMarketInsights.com.